It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross. Yes! Yes! Touchdown! Did he get it? Hour two, Full Court Press. Jason Walker, Eric Franson. Nice to have him back after missing Thursday and Friday. Back in time for all the fun things that happened over the weekend. Going to talk about a lot of those. Um, just a lot of crazy stuff. And, and uh, you know, one thing that uh, happened over the weekend, news broke Friday of a lawsuit filed against, I don't know if it was specifically against Blake Anderson or against Utah State football. I, I forget the I specifics of that. I think he's included as... Uh He's certainly a part Plaintiff, of it. Plaintiff, yeah. I don't know if, if he's the defendant or just one of the named defendants. Again, I don't know the specific there, but uh, there are allegations basically of mistreatment, of bullying against a former player and, and uh, former outside linebacker, Patrick Maddox. Um, he was the one who leaked the uh, audio from an August meeting, like team meeting, where they were talking about you know sexual assault and, and different things like that. I'm basically having a training, and there were some comments made that that didn't go over well, and he was the one who recorded those and leaked them. Yes, to the press, and so now he's he's filing a lawsuit because he says he basically got retaliated against because of that. Um, and Blake and we talked about this on the show Friday, and you know, or actually no Thursday I think because I talked about it with uh, Jacob Nielsen. So it was Thursday the news came out, and you know, me and him we both took very neutral, like we we. We don't want to make any rash assumptions. I know when the news broke on Twitter, there's a bunch of, you know, you know, fire Blake Anderson and tons of other things. Lots of overreactions. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to make sure we had both sides. Um, I don't know if we'll truly get both sides, but we did get a response from Blake Anderson. He posted um, a statement, uh, I believe on Twitter, maybe he had it, you know, on Instagram or, you know, all the different social outlets. So on Twitter, he, he posted a statement, and I don't know if I want to read the whole statement. That's, it's a, li- a bit bulky to just be reading on the radio. But, I mean, he, he said that he can't comment on specific allegations, but he said, I will vigorously defend myself and our university against false statements. He said, I look forward to providing facts, context, and clarification of the allegations against myself and the university. Because yeah, really the allegation isn't, necessarily what he said in front of the team because that's recorded. And so he can't say that was a false statement because there's hard evidence of what he said. The allegation is that he he didn't feel sorry about having to say he was sorry and in the apology um, and that um, other players were upset about it, that essentially Coach Anderson didn't protect Maddox enough through this, Anderson, there's no accusation that Anderson himself went after Maddox. It's just that Maddox himself was subject to basically harassment and I don't know if you want to call it retribution, but 
you know, his locker was broken into, and and there were other players who made it hard on him. And and so basically, it's saying look, Coach Anderson should have played a larger role in protecting um, all of his players. Yeah, and you know, a big part of the statement, like the final couple of paragraphs, talk about you know his respect for players. He even says that. He cares deeply about Patrick Maddox and all of you know players and former players and whatnot. So if you want to read the full statement, Blake Anderson's Twitter, his social media, you can find it there. Read the whole thing. It's not too long. Um, I you know I posted on my Twitter and Eric, you may have shared it as well. Um, and the thing is, it is an important thing. You know, we talked about listening to both sides, and with situations like this. For me, it's not about overreacting to one side. I already kind of learned this lesson with the with the volleyball in BYU, where and I thought I'd learned this lesson before we had that, you know, you know, <laughs> all that going on with our show, and that wasn't exactly big time. It was just a minor slip up for me, where we try not to overreact. We try and let both sides have their say, and in this case, Blake Anderson's said part of his say. We want to get both sides. We want to take things seriously. That's the key. You know, we talk about believing victims, but for me, it's let's take allegations seriously. Don't assign any, you know, guilt or anything like that. Innocent until proven guilty, but take it seriously and then get to the bottom of things. And that's where we need to go with this. Yeah, no, yeah, I I agree. So, you know, what was said last year, I think the thing is that how it was in context, and we talked about this a, a year ago, uh, the way that it was discussed, um, could have could it have come across a better way? Could they have discussed uh, things in a more sensitive manner when talking to the players about you know being mindful and uh, make sure you have consent and things like that? Could they have done a better job? Yeah, they could have. But I also think that like, it was... A lot. I think things were taken out of context a little bit too, and I think things were were blown out of proportion a bit. Utah State, as an institution, has not had a great track record with dealing with these things and taking them seriously enough. And for that, you know, those students who have been victimized have every right to complain and create an issue with the university. And, and in this case. This is somebody who just feels like I don't think enough was done. And so uh, from my perspective of this, again, I don't have all the facts either, but it just feels like somebody who felt like more should have been done. There should have been more severe consequences than, than really took place. And they weren't satisfied with that, so they're taking, their, uh, taking it to the next level. Yeah. You can debate whether or not he's right in doing so. I think that is certainly a perspective, and it seemed like that's, I think he almost said that directly. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's the impression I got from reading some of his quotes in, in the articles that were written, where he was like, yeah, not enough was done. There's still a toxic culture, and he wanted something done, so he released that. So that's, that's, that's the whole situation. I shouldn't say that's the whole situation. That's what we know right now. I don't know if we're going to know any more from this. Utah State's obviously going to stay quiet on this, justifiably so. Hopefully there will be some sort of investigation. Again, I don't know if they'll announce that. But ideally, you take something like this seriously, you get to the bottom of it, and you know you, you go from there. Uh, results depending. 
Um, we do have a text coming in on this, 6543. Uh, it says, so is the 500000 uh, settlement on the other lawsuit with admission of guilt from the university? Settlements are not admissions of guilt. They yeah. can tend to be a good sign of it, but they should never be taken as an admission of guilt. Right. I think that, uh, that, that's a big folly that a lot of people uh, kind of fall into, thinking that if there's a settlement, that it's a cover-up. Uh, that's a they're they're buying the silence of whoever filed the suit or is complaining, and that that really isn't always the case. Um, oftentimes, it's it's cheaper, it's more cost effective for an institution, whether it be a university, a big corporation, whatever. It's more cost effective to settle out of court than to go through the court process. Yeah. Because it can drag on, lawyers' fees. The only people who win are the attorneys, guaranteed. And um, things can get ugly, misunderstood, misconstrued. So uh, a settlement outside a court, yes, yeah, sometimes it can be looked at as an admission of, of, of guilt. But more often than not, it's just the most cost and time effective way of dealing with the situation and moving on and that's the problem is you have a lot of situations where it is definitely a cover-up and a yeah we screwed up and we're just going to settle out of court and it's mixed in with all those cases of what you just explained where it's just better if we just do it this way guys so that that is, that is the problem with trying to derive you know something from a settlement out right. of court um six five four three uh he follows up on his text uh, says, with the rap sheet on the university so long, should the NCAA step in and sanction the program, nothing will get done in-house. Is that something that I worry with Utah State is, I don't trust Utah State to do the right thing anymore. I just don't. It, it, it's, it's harsh to say, but I just don't. It is, as an institution, the, the track record's not, not great. Let's be honest. Let's like, call a spade a spade. There have been, over the last... How many? Four or five years? Probably even beyond that. Um, a number of incidents that the institution has not really handled very well. And it's to not put it lightly. And it's not just football either. No. So right. it's it, it's a it's a tricky situation. So I know they've made some institutional changes. There's been some changes in personnel and staff. Um, I. I hope they get it right for everybody's sake. Yeah. And they get this figured out because it's gone on for too long. Yeah, it has. And so for the average student on campus, you want to feel safe. Yes. And right now they have reason to not feel safe, which is not good. Right. Have concerns about if it will my, will the, the, you know, raising awareness about something that happened to me, will it be taken seriously? Do I have recourse? Can I get help and assistance, and will something be done about it? Yeah, and and that's something that's not a, not a sure thing at Utah State. So that's that's the story that's going on right now at Utah State. Obviously, not a not fun to have this kind of off the field stuff pop up um, with the football team. Obviously, because I mean, I guess it does kind of involve these guys because they're I guess sort of involved. Yeah, it's a huge distraction for the coach who's had a number of off-the-field distractions and and controversies, which 
seems kind of strange when you actually know who Blake Anderson is. Like he is a good guy who who really cares deeply about the people around him and has done really good things. He's had some bad real challenging things happen in his personal life, but as a as a head coach and how he handles his team granted I'm an outsider, I'm not an insider, but it sure looks like this is a guy who really cares about his team and is not just teaching him how to be good football players. He's trying to teach him how to be good people, good men. And so what's kind of in, evolved over the last uh, almost 12 months with some controversies away from football, with the allegations last year, obviously the comments about fans <laughs> earlier this year, uh, this new lawsuit, it just it really seems out of character for Blake Anderson uh, and this coaching staff. Uh, so it's it's kind of surprising. Um, they should all be looked at and taken seriously, and absolutely fans have the right to react the way that they have. But um, it's really kind of surprising how it's all kind of played out under his watch over the last, really over the last 12 months. Yeah, it is interesting just because you have a guy from all of our interactions with him and talking with him, yeah, he does come across as a very good individual. Um not a perfect individual, and I think maybe we've seen some imperfections shine through. There's weaknesses guys have, and Anderson, perhaps one of his is, I don't want to drive too much, but maybe sometimes he just, like many of us, maybe his emotions take the best of him, because that's kind of what happened with the comments with the fans. His emotions and his desire to protect his players overrode maybe a bit of common sense, and he made some comments maybe he shouldn't have. It doesn't make him a bad person, it just means that in the moment, you know, he made a mistake that was, oddly enough, derived from one of his positive qualities, his desire to protect players, and it led him to make a mistake in, in, in you know, a, dis, a different sphere. So maybe there, you know, there are those kind of imperfections that show up in what, as you said, like he does seem like a good person, at least at a, at a basic level. <laughs> it, yeah. human, human beings are complex, yeah. and that's the tricky thing. And, and we have a, you know... You know, we're, we're a bit closer to him as far as, you know, we were closer than fans because we do, you know, talk to him a little bit more. And you know, we get to see him and, and have some kind of conversations with him. So we have maybe a slightly better idea. But even then, we're not in the locker room. We're not hearing his speeches. We're not interacting with him on a day-to-day basis. We're not in the meetings. So it can be tricky to really know who he is. Like, who is he as a person? We just get the sense that he's a good person from interactions. So, yeah. So, uh, today on the presser, he, uh, I asked him just a little bit about here. Here's another off the field distraction. And, uh, you know, how that, how's that affecting the team essentially any different than you know, experiences that you've had in the past. And really he just took to the point where you know, based on things that were happening in his personal life, with his wife going through cancer, loss of his dad, loss of his son. This, this isn't anything near those off-the-field distractions that he's had to deal with in his personal life before. So a uh, little surprised there wasn't much more in the press conference uh, uh, about this, but I don't know really what he could have said anyway because it's an ongoing deal and he's probably been advised really not to say anything. So Yeah, I know for me, I mean, I was in on that press conference, and to be honest, part of it was I've, forgot because I was thinking of other questions I was thinking of asking and although before the press conference I thought of the possibility of asking that question and I, I probably should have 
perhaps a journalistic failing on my own part, but it was part of a, well, I know exactly what he's going to say, so why ask? But I guess the reason why ask is because it's my job. (laughs) (laughs) So that's maybe another learning point uh, I can apply to my career. But anyway, that's, that's most of the situation, at least about as much as we can talk about it. You know, we could maybe keep going on and on, but there's only so much you can say about something like this where most of the, you know, truth and details are going to be hidden behind, you know, a shield of PR and lawsuits and whatnot. So we'll go ahead, we'll take a quick break, and I promise we will actually start talking about Utah State basketball. I've been teasing this since the middle of the first hour. Got to actually get to it because there's a lot of stuff that happened over the weekend, an open men's basketball practice, a women's basketball or, uh, exhibition game, so... I'm getting more ideas on what these teams are like, so we'll get to that next on 106.9 The Fan. When Evan McMullen backed Joe Biden for president, he voted for every single catastrophic policy Biden's gang of socialists and tyrants inflicted on struggling Utah families. 40-year high inflation, crushing taxes, open borders, and lost freedoms. It was a bad call. But McMullen's got no regrets. We can't give Evan McMullen a second chance. We need Mike Lee now more than ever, our constant constitutional defender who never gives an inch to the forces who would destroy American freedom. The Biden-McMullen agenda drove Utahns' cost of living sky high. But Mike Lee has been a bulwark, shielding us from Joe Biden's thoughtless leadership, standing strong against rampant spending, lawless borders and creeping socialism even when he's had to stand alone i'm mike lee and i approve this message because i love utah i love our country and it's been my honor to serve as your senator mike lee for senate paid for by friends of mike lee incorporated it's game time and you're in the locker room ready to take the field but suddenly you notice a player you don't recognize he's wearing your team's jersey and he even knows your name but you've never seen him before now. Would you trust this stranger with your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing scams work. And the first quarter of 2022 saw the highest volume of phishing attacks ever recorded. Protect your business with the Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. It's engagement season. Time to find the perfect ring. S.E. Needham Jewelers is known for beautifully cut diamonds at excellent prices. Guys, the sparkle is what matters most in the diamond you give your sweetheart. Our diamonds stand apart from those of other stores. Come view our diamonds under magnification. Select a diamond that fits your budget and then have it mounted in a ring that she'll love. Remember, you get S.E. Needham quality at internet pricing. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7, where Utah gets engaged. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25 years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you. Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home. Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. I think I can. I think I can. Do you feel like you're chugging up the inflation mountain? This is Zach with HSA Depot, and we can help. Did you know that you can save as much as 30% by using your pre-tax income to buy qualifying medical supplies? Health savings accounts can be used for more than just doctor visits and prescriptions. HSA Depot helps you conquer your inflation mountain and your health care by providing eligible products. Come to HSA Depot next to Sally Beauty and see how much you can save. HSA Depot, five-star review. 
It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Mountain West Motors selection of trucks and SUVs has been specially customized for your next adventure, whether it's hauling trailers, kids, roaming the mountains, Mountain West Motor has a unique selection of vehicles. Visit mwmotor.com or you can stop by 615 North Main Street in Logan. A couple of quick housekeeping notes. Uh, game three of the World Series between Philadelphia and Houston has been postponed. Uh, game will be rescheduled for tomorrow. There's rain, heavy rain in Philadelphia. Um, Utah Jazz are holding out Walker Kessler for one more day. Still feeling better, but the medical staff... Uh, made the decision to uh, keep him out. The Jazz do play Memphis uh, later on this evening. And then one more note from Auburn. We already announced that uh, they had fired Brian Harson, but it's not just Brian Harson. They have fired a lot of his staff, let them go. Pretty much anybody he brought to Auburn with him from Boise were let go. From offensive coordinator to strength coach to recruiting coordinator. There were a number of coaches let go today. A complete house cleaning, uh, cutting ties with Boise State in a significant way uh, with Brian Harson and his coaching staff. So who's left to coach the team? Uh, the running backs coach. <laughs> okay. Cadillac Williams and a bunch of GAs, and I'm sure they have analysts that are now going to be moving into larger roles. The Cadillac Williams? Uh, well, to go to other other aspects of the uh, of, of the coaching. I was about to say, if that was his name, like, that was like one of the coolest names. Yeah, running back Cadillac Williams. His nickname is Cadillac. Oh. Well, a former running back. He was the running back's coach, and now he is going to take over head coaching duties until the end of the season. He's got my vote to be the next head coach. Well, already uh, strong rumors that they're trying, they're going to try to go after Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I know uh, Matt Rule. I think was another name. I guess he, he keeps get throwing around. Sure, sure. I mean, why not? Yeah, just anyway. You know, with, with Auburn, it's always the big names. Which, fair enough, they can actually get the big names. Yeah, they've got the money. So, do you want to deal with the heartache, yeah. or, or not the heartache, but the headache? I should say heartache and the headache with with that. Uh, the, those boosters and and all that's going on there. Oh, one more note, just real quick. Housekeeping note. Saw this just a few minutes ago. Brian Head. Brian Head is going to open up their ski resort on November 4th. There's already been natural snow. They've been making snow. Conditions are ripe for them in their snowmaking abilities. And they're opening November 4th. That is the earliest opening in their history. There so, you go. You got your breaking ski news. That's some exciting here on, news. Uh, here on 106.9 The ski Fan. Ski season starts this week. All your ski season news from one guy who's like <laughs> skied once in his life and also Eric Franson. <laughs> <laughs> but on to things that I actually care about. <laughs> <laughs> we got the World Series out of the way. We got skiing out of the way. Yeah, now, now we can move on. Now we can move on to the things I care about. So this weekend, uh, on Friday... Utah State women unofficially officially opened Aggie basketball season. They played Fort Lewis College in an, in an exhibition game at the Spectrum. 
Utah State won 74-45. I mean, it was always going to be a 30-point game, or 29, I guess. But, you know, it's supposed to be like that in an exhibition. So the real question is, like, who looks good? You know, how does the offense look? How does the defense look? You know, it's like a preseason game in the NFL. You don't care about the score. You just want to see what the players do, and you're trying to analyze them. How connected are they? Yeah. Yes. You know, different things like that. So, you know, my verdict was the offense wasn't quite as good as I would have liked it, namely in the fact they didn't shoot it as well as I was expecting. You know, when I crunched some numbers, I'm trying to figure out how, you know, and I based off of past performance, which can be, you know, at least in – well, I based off like last season, which using one season as a reference point could be kind of iffy because three-point shooting can vary season to season for a lot of different players. But, you know, I was crunching some numbers like, you know, which players are going to be in the rotation, how did they shoot last season, basically a bunch of different things. This team looked like they were going to be above average three-point shooting this season based on, you know, NCAA. Because for the NCAA women's uh, three-point shooting, league average is like a little over 30%. In Utah State, I think I had them like 32 33% based off their previous shooting and adjusting for like who's actually going to play. Because I didn't include some players who like shot well in high school but aren't going to play this season. So okay. I tried to adjust for all those factors. Look like they're going to be a good shooting team, and they go 7 for 30 from 3. They, I think they, in the first half, they were like, like 3 of 15 or 3 of 16 or something like that. Really bad. Not very good shooting at all. And uncharacteristic from some players. Um, Maria Carvalho, she went 2 of 9 from 3. And she's someone who shoots 33-ish percent uh, the last few seasons. So three-point shooting, I feel like the team, you know, they generated three-point shots. But they weren't making them. Which is a little worrying because you like them to be able to actually make those shots. Oh, yeah. It's a huge difference. Because if they're making those shots, like, inside the arc, they actually did really well. Um, you know, they got to the basket fairly well. They made their shots inside the arc. Much better two-point percentage. Um, I don't think I have their, oh, their two-point field goal percentage. Let's see. I don't know. They don't have it on my, on my box where I'm looking at. But, you know, did pretty well inside the arc. Because they make those threes, they probably score 80, 90 points. So, I think if they make their shots... Offensively, there's something there. Um, Timia Robinson, uh, she had 19 points. She actually had a good shooting that where she went 4 of 6 from 3, 7 of 16 overall. So she's looking like a scorer. She had a couple of really nice step-back threes. Just beautiful basketball. So she could end up being a leading scorer. Um, Abby Wall, she had uh, 10 points, 15 rebounds. Wow. Uh, In last year, she was actually... According to like Synergy Sports, she had one of the best points per uh, possession ratings for post-ups. She's a really efficient post-up player. So we'll see if she's able to get some offense from the post there. Um, so I guess overall with that exhibition, the verdict is offense is good if they actually make shots. Defensively, there were some possessions where I felt like Fort Lewis should have scored but they didn't because they're bad. And so the defense kind of looked good. But I'm worried there may be some holes that if they don't you know, close them up, better teams could take advantage. But I will say overall I thought the defense was solid. Yeah, and that's 
Uh, if you have a solid defense, and we talked about this earlier in the program when we were talking about uh, you know high school football, it really is the same for college basketball as well. If you can have a solid defense, you're going to give yourself a chance in a lot of games. Uh, but this is a, a, a women's team that is on paper supposed to be a really good outside shooting team. And yeah, it's an exhibition. It's the first real contest they've had competitively together. Um, thankfully they have like another week to get back in the gym and work on a few things. But um, that's something they've got to get and spend a lot of time in the gym and get figured out. And if you got an open look, you got to hit that shot. Yeah. And, like I said, it's weird because, you know, Christina Oliva, she was someone who I think shot like 34-ish percent. Granted, she was, that was, you know, junior college ball, but she goes 0 for 4. Uh, Kinley Falsov with Kaiser, uh, she went 1 for 5, and she was, you know, hot shooter at, uh, you know, Green Canyon, or sharpshooter at Green Canyon. So it, it was kind of weird that several players who normally make a decent amount of threes just didn't. So there's some hope that they can turn it around. And, you know, going back defensively, Maria Carvalho, Coach Ard talked up Maria's defense, and I believe it. She looked great on defense in that game. So I think they'll have at least a point of attack defender there. Rim protection, not so much. They're actually really short in the front court. They're tall overall because they're playing like three players above six foot. But they don't have like that six three six four uh, post that some teams will have. Mm, yeah, because there's some good post players in the Mountain West Conference, and so that's you know, that puts a lot more pressure on those wing players to deny that entry pass. Yeah, and uh, which can be done, which can be effectively done. Make it tough for them to get the pass in to their player down low. Yeah, and it also come up to Abby Wall just playing stout defense there uh, at center. So. We'll see how that goes. Now, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, men's basketball had their open practice. I went to that. Eric was off. So I'll kind of share some of my observations, maybe bounce them off Eric and and see what we come up with here as far as, you know, are we getting more clarity or there are now more questions? Because there are some things that contradicted what I saw at the scrimmage. So now we've got to figure out what's going on here Mm. with with this team. So we'll have that after this on 106.9 The Fan. The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs, with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. This is Jarek with Jarek's Fine Jewelry. This October is our 14th year anniversary. So to celebrate, we want to treat you to an anniversary date. Make it a date night on us. Come engagement ring or anniversary ring shopping at Jarek's Fine Jewelry. We have thousands of designs to choose from, including the newest custom designs. With no strings attached and no purchase necessary, we will buy your dinner at Bloom Eatery. The entire month of October, come in ring shopping and Bloom is on us. Make date night special. Make it Jarek's. 
fall is in the air and it's getting colder. Make sure your vehicle is well-maintained. Valvoline Instant Oil Change in Logan across from Angie's can help. As the weather turns colder, your car needs more babying and an oil change is easy. They'll change your oil and also check other fluid levels and replace your air filters if needed. The best thing, you can stay in your car while their trained professionals service your vehicle. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, 695 North Main, open seven days a week. The Elements Restaurant is serving a plated Thanksgiving dinner this year with all the holiday classics. Herb roasted turkey with a sage turkey gravy, garlic whipped potatoes and whipped sweet potatoes, traditional cornbread stuffing and delicious warm rolls. And for dessert, choose between pumpkin pie, pecan pie or apple galette. Let the Elements serve your family a delicious Thanksgiving feast while you spend the day enjoying family and friends. Prime times fill up quickly. Reserve online today at theelementsrestaurant.com or call 750 Clean it up and get it out before the snow flies. Don't wait another winter. Let DD Auto and Salvage pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage in Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787 1204 today. See store for details. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. He sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. For many military veteran caregivers, their caregiving journey starts earlier in life and lasts longer. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Full Court Press, Jason Walker, Eric Franson. Second hour already in progress. Uh, Getting around to men's basketball. There was, I don't know exactly when it was sent. I just saw it like somebody retweeted a post from the Utah State men's basketball team. They're doing an open open practice this past Saturday. So I saw it like Wednesday or Thursday, maybe even Friday. I saw it pretty late where it was just, all right, we're having an open practice. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> nice to know. Um, so I went. It was, it was Saturday at 11 a.m. Um, and it was basically another blue-white scrimmage. But with a lot less fanfare, obviously. <laughs> they played four eight-minute quarters. Um, that was pretty much the entire practice. There was basically no drill work. Um, so they just played. And you know, I, I made some observations. I scrawled them down on my phone all during the game. I didn't make too many. I didn't really live-tweet it. It's not, not really the event I like to live-tweet. Don't like live tweeting practices. Yeah, it feels kind of wrong sometimes. Yeah, especially because um, Rylan Jones actually like rolled his ankle or did something to his ankle during the during the practice. Didn't seem that severe though. He got it treated. Maybe we'll hear from the team if if he's not playing. Then he did have an ankle injury, right? But it just seemed like the kind of ankle injury that's not great. But you know, first games on what the seventh. 
So it's the kind that he can overcome, ice it up, get some treatments. It didn't seem super serious. Uh, but on injury notes, um, Taylor Funk played for participant. Wow. Didn't have, really have any braces. He, he played the whole time. Looked, That's great news. Looked perfectly fine. Uh, and he, he played pretty well, actually. Early on, he was making it rain from three. So he was looking really good, like, you know, several feet beyond the three-point line, you know, trailer type where he catch, catch and shoot, you know, running towards the line, drain it, catch and shoot, looking every bit like the sharpshooter we were all kind of expecting, at least I was expecting him to be, I imagine. Most people had similar expectations, but the kind of guy who will hit every kind of three on the court, an incredibly valuable three-point, you know, three-point guy. And he looked like a leading scorer. Like he, he wasn't just shoot, catch and shoot, you know, the kind of Brock Miller leading scorer for the day where he just makes seven threes. It was a little bit of everything, driving the court. He was even bringing the ball up a couple of times. Obviously, those duties are going to be mostly held by Rylan Jones and Steven Ashford, but there were a few where, you know, Taylor was beginning the play. So Well, and we saw that last year with Coach Odom. He had a n- numerous different players bring the ball up the court. Yeah. It, it, in, initiate the offensive action. And as a defense, that kind of makes you second-guess, like where, where to start setting up your defensive pressures. If you've got different players bringing the ball up, that makes it a little bit more tough. Yeah, so there's certainly, certainly a lot of value in, in Taylor Funk. He looks like my new favorite to be the leading. Of course, I guess my early projections had him averaging 15 points. That, that's what I guessed he was going to score, and that seems like he can certainly do that. Um, in other notes, as far as players not participating, uh, Z Hamoda was in street clothes. Um, don't know what it was. He was sitting there on the bench. I couldn't even find Cade Potter there. I, I mean, I don't know his face very well, so maybe I just missed him. Um, but I didn't see him there. Hmm. So again, I tried look, looking at the roster and seeing his picture and trying to look around. There weren't that many people at the game at, at the practice. Um, but I just I didn't see him. Maybe he was gone for personal reasons. Maybe he was sick. There could be a thousand and one reasons why he was gone for any number of le- completely legitimate reasons. He just wasn't there. <laughs> okay. I don't know. All right. Um, I tell you one person who I feel like we underrated, and I say we, me, at least me especially, Trevin Dorius. He looked pretty impressive. See, I, I said earlier on that I was seeing some things that I kind of liked about him. I wouldn't say I'm not trying to sell him as a star, but I got a lot of blowback on yeah, the text line yeah, and on did. Twitter. And, and I, I didn't think... You know, Doris was going to be much. I thought Shimon Zapala was going to be in front of him in the rotation. Uh, Zapala certainly didn't look bad, but Dorius looked good several occasions, fighting for rebounds. I tell you, there was one play early on. Rylan Jones laid in a perfect alley-oop pass, and Dorius absolutely posterized someone. I can't, I can't remember exactly who it was. It might have been Isaac Johnson. Again, his pick-and-roll says... If he has to, who have actually went and tried to help, but he absolutely posterized someone for an and one dunk. Uh, he missed the free throw, but that's because Dorius <laughs> shoots like forty five percent on free throws. Uh, so yes. he he's someone that I think I might have slept on. Hmm. So we'll have to see how that goes because he's, he's looked impressive, not scoring a ton of points, but getting some rebounds, getting some good putbacks. One of his problems early on was just not having touch around the basket and kind of bobbling rebounds a little bit. 
didn't seem to look like that at the scrimmage. Um, Isaac Johnson, you know, the centers overall seem to be better than we were giving them credit for. Granted, they're playing against each other, so don't want to read too much into them looking good because maybe they're just all bad. Yeah, well, <laughs> and so they end up looking good. It's always a risk of yeah watching scrimmages and practices. Yeah, but Johnson, he looked decent. Uh, he took a three just in a play, not scrambling, not anything. He just took a three, and he made it. So it seems like he might have the green lights to take threes. Um, he also looked really good as a slasher. Really weird thing to say about a center, but if you watch his, his highlight tapes, which for a while was the only thing I had of him, was his highlight tapes, he played nominally played small forward for a lot of his high school, and so that was his game outside to in. He developed a decent slashing game, and he's retained that skill as a center. He can drive the basket and finish really well. Helps being seven foot now. So he could be an interesting guy where he can pick and pop and attack a closeout. Maybe not this year, but he could be a really dangerous uh, in that way, you know, down the line. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um, another note. Team passing, on point. Good stuff. Lots of great team passing from everyone. Flinging it around the court, you know, three-pointers, you know, out to the three-point line, inside, looking really good. couple of really good alley-oop passes, uh, not just to Trevin Dorius. Um... One thing I actually do worry about, though, is the fact there were some good pick-and-roll plays. Uh, The fact they had a lot of them kind of makes me worry about Utah State's own pick-and-roll defense. The fact they were doing it well against themselves, are they going to get picked apart by other teams? So that'll Mm. be something to watch. Um, Especially with centers. Kind of inexperienced centers, I mean, outside of maybe Akin, and I'll tell you, Akin, or actually, I heard Odom say Akin. I think. So that might be how you say it. <laughs> so well, the, the ongoing mystery of how to say Dan Ockin's name. Yes. May have found a resolution. Uh, that's funny. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll see exactly how good they are at stopping opposing centers who are rolling to the basket. Because they had trouble defending their own. Can they do it against better, more experienced, you know, physically gifted centers? Um, Shulga and Bearstow didn't have super great scrimmages, especially Shulga. Shulga looked great in the blue-white scrimmage, struggled, you know, and he got frustrated. And when he gets frustrated, he lets everyone know about it. Um, so he, he didn't have a super great scrimmage. Um, that's most of them. Like I said, I don't know, Jones kind of went down with a maybe minor ankle injury. Ashworth, for a second, I was worried, broke his ribs. Because he went down, was coughing and spluttering, but he got up and played. <laughs> he might have just got the wind knocked. That was those were my two options: was he either broke his ribs and is slowly dying on the court, or he got the wind knocked out of him. Very much seemed like the second because he got up and played. He's a tough player. Well, I think some of the observations that you've had um, kind of illustrate to me one of the things that will be worth noting. I think following for this team is that um, outside of Funk playing, which is a bit of a revelation to hear that he's actually playing, maybe a bit ahead of schedule with his foot recovery. Um, but this is, uh, as we talked about several different times, this is a team that looks like it's built on and will have success based on the sum of its parts. And so high ball movement, multiple guys contributing uh, and helping out, those are good things. You got the Funk 
that's a positive thing seeing him shoot. But being a team that's a sum of its parts also means it's a team that may lack a true dynamic scorer or finisher. And so if somebody's having an off night, that might be a little bit tough uh, for the others to pick up the slack or somebody to kind of overcome some other deficiencies that the team may be facing. Where one night they look like they may be pretty good, but another night they could be a little bit off and you don't have a dynamic player that can cover that up. Yeah, and the hope was that, you know, either Bearstow or I always I keep pumping up Shulga, but you know, when they didn't look super good, they didn't look like they could create their shot super well. And so you Maybe it's just an off practice for them because Shoga was creating his own shot in the blue-white scrimmage. Um, so maybe. But we'll see. Right now, there isn't an answer for a dynamic score. We have ifs. And ifs don't make buckets. So we'll see how <laughs> things go. I'm really proud of myself for saying that. Nice. Yes, I like that. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, uh, maybe talk a little bit about Utah State soccer. Had a thrilling, uh, well, loss. Uh, dramatic loss, I guess I should say, to San Diego State in the uh, the Mountain West Tournament. Uh, and we'll finish up the show on the other side of this. We'll be back on 106.9 The Fan. Evan McMullen says he's independent. The Democrat Party knows he's not. Cheers rang loud after Utah Democrats reached a decision to join Evan McMullen. Democrats chose to back him. Why are Biden's allies pulling out all the stops to elect McMullen? Because he'd do their bidding in the Senate. Conservatives know he's a Democrat in disguise, but sometimes his mask slips. His positions on issues match the Democrat platform. He wants to weaken the filibuster, backed Biden's radical Supreme Court nominee, attacked police budgets, supported reckless spending, more debt. He's just another Biden liberal, even campaigned to make him president. I plan to cast my vote for Joe. Imagine the America we can have. Imagine the damage after two more years of a Democrat Senate giving Biden free reign. Utah can stop him if we stop McMullen first. Crypto Freedom Pack is responsible for the content of this advertising. Paid for by Crypto Freedom Pack. Not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. 202-971-1316. With inflation at record highs, why buy new if you can repair your current machine? Daryl's Appliances, factory trained technicians spend hundreds of hours in training each year to ensure your appliance is repaired right the first time. You can have peace of mind. They offer no risk service, meaning if you want to purchase new, instead of repair, you can apply up to $95 of your service call towards an appliance purchase. See store for details. Daryl's West on Airport Road, open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. What's more important than sleep? Granted, some things are, but not many. This is Ryan at My Mattress, and here we offer the best solution to better sleep, a better mattress. IntelliBed, the gel mattress, cradles your hips and shoulders while providing the best back support possible. Or come in and choose a Tempur-Pedic that boasts 93% of their owners love their bed. My Mattress, offering the best sleep possible by the South Walmart. It's game time, and you're in the locker room ready to take the field. But suddenly, you notice a player you don't recognize. He's wearing your team's jersey, and he even knows your name. But you've never seen him before now. Would you trust the stranger with your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing scams work. And the first quarter of 2022 saw the highest volume of phishing attacks ever recorded. Protect your business with the Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. 
Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or an electrician, contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also service other models. Hey, Aggie fans. Looking for the best burger in town? Bring the family to Prodigy Brewing and try out our signature Prodigy Supreme Burger or a wood-fired pizza. Need a smaller plate for the kids? Our kids' menu has you covered. Whether you are out with the family or just want to catch the Aggies game with friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back. Full Court Press. Jason Walker, Eric Franson. Final segment of this show. Time flies when you're having fun. Hey, a quick shout-out to Dale Brown, former Utah State men's basketball assistant coach, was at Utah State from 1966 to 1971. Uh, Recruited a number of famous Aggie players to the program here. Uh, One of the notable ones that uh, I remember having conversations with and interviewing was uh, Jimmy Moore. He's got a great story, which he's shared with us here on the Full Court Press about his recruitment to Utah State um, by Dale Brown, who was involved with that. But uh, Dale Brown, a very spry, 87 years old today. There you go. Went on to have a long career as a head coach at LSU. And, uh, yeah, pretty famous. He's been around the block. (laughs) Still connects with and, and connects with people still. So very sharp still, and uh, how he connects with former players and coaches and others that uh, he was involved with at his various different stints along the way. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday, Coach Del Brown. There you go. To his good health. Yes. Take a sip of my water. (laughs) Not really. really. Better keep drinking water. That's probably how he got Mm -hmm. to get 87. Uh, Probably. So, uh, mention this before the break, uh, Utah State soccer. you know, had, had a basically a winner go home in their last regular season game against Boise State. Uh, they had to be Boise State getting into the Mountain West tournament. They did. They beat them 2-0. And then they went and faced San Diego State in the first round of the Mountain West tournament. And it was 0-0 through the whole game, through overtime, went into penalties. Uh, penalties are normally supposed to go five rounds. Uh, you know, for... Each team takes five kicks. Well, this penalty kick shootout went, uh, let me check my notes, uh, 23 rounds. 23 rounds. Oh, my word. So uh, San Diego State ended up winning the penalty shootout 19 to 18. Oh, my gosh. And I was watching the end of it. I picked it up about halfway through. I was relaxing on a Sunday, and all of a sudden I saw on Twitter that Utah State and San Diego State were in like the 18th round of penalties, and I was like, okay, we're watching this. <laughs> um, turned it on, and uh, unfortunately I ended up watching Utah State lose. Um, 
Because, you know, I've said this before about penalty kicks. If you miss a penalty kick, it's because you kicked it wrong. And these two teams took that to heart and did and hardly kicked it wrong for most of these rounds. The frustrating thing, though, for Utah State is, so they kicked second in this. So San Diego State kicks first, they kick second. And obviously, once you get past the fifth round, if San Diego State misses it and Utah State makes it, they win. Utah State had three chances to win the game. Because San Diego State missed one. And Utah State had a chance to make it and win. So on three different occasions, that happened where San Diego State missed it, but then Utah State also missed it and kept the Aztecs alive until finally the Aztecs made one and Utah State missed one, and that was it. Uh, Coach Anderson uh, on his press conference today said he and his team, they were there, they went over and were watching that game and uh, cheering on and and, uh, doing what they could to to be part of what was going on with Utah State soccer and uh, said it was very stressful for them being on the sideline just watching it as uh, non-participants. Yeah, so he was like more nervous there than like for his own games. Just this penalty kicks out, penalty kickouts are really nerve-wracking. Oh yes, it's it's nuts. And, I, and I've you know on a very very small scale been the goalie of those, and of course I lost. I think every single penalty kick out where I was the goalie. So that that speaks to my own record, but. They are they are stressful events. I watched one for Real Salt Lake when they were playing sport, Sporting Kansas City, and they lost that kick out that, that penalty <laughs> kick uh, shootout. I don't know. It feels like every time I watch my team in a penalty kick shootout, they lose. RSL, Utah State. Come on, <laughs> gotta be winning these penalty kick shootouts, guys. Yeah, that's too bad. That's too, so they're they're done. Yep, that's that's their season. Still, you know, a solid season for them. Still, you know, drawing back from what was, you know, a, a couple years of not being super great. They're never bad, but they're always just kind of mediocre. And they're, you know, pushing past that to where they've made the Mountain West Tournament past couple years. And so they, they seem to be on the up and up, despite a bit of a disappointing finish this year. Yeah, definitely a lot more competitive with that uh, program. Also, uh, Utah Jazz in action tonight, taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Walker Kessler and Rudy Gay will not be available. Looks like they're both on the up and up on their health, but the coaching uh, medical staff are still holding them out just for safety, just make sure they're fully healthy before they go again. But uh, what a game just the other night between these two teams. Down to the wire, Jazz have a lead. They lose the lead. They're trailing with two minutes to go. They're down by four, uh, but they find a way to – get back into it, then they take the lead and hold on to that lead. It's just wild what this team's doing so far. And, look, I don't know if it's going to last, but I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. It's yeah. been fun. Yeah, you, you do have to enjoy it while it lasts. Um, and I tell you, they almost blew that lead. They came really close where they had the ball with, like, 15 seconds left. Up one, and the result of the play was, like, a missed layup by, I think it was Markinen. Marketing or Olenek. And so Grizzlies had a chance to win the game, but yeah, uh, I they think fumbled it, their inbounds pass. Yeah. And, they like fell down. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, it was nuts. They dodged a bullet. But yeah, they did. Same two teams playing tonight, uh, 7 o'clock. And so we'll have pregame coverage here on the fans starting at about 6.50. And tip off will be at 7. And uh, I, don't, I don't think John Morant's going to play tonight. I haven't. I, I haven't, think he's still out. I haven't looked at any news. Of course, him not playing certainly 
good for the Jazz for winning. Yeah. Um, i tell you another thing, though. Donovan Mitchell, he played against the Knicks with the Cavaliers, went out for 38 points. He's averaging, what, 32 points per game for yeah. Cleveland. He's I'm, having one heck of a start for the Cavaliers. I'm sure the Knicks are enjoying all of that leverage <laughs> and R.J. Barrett's 40% field goal percentage. Uh, all right, that'll do it for us here on the Full Court Press. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great fun, night, guys. everybody.